What's happening, guys? This is Alex Osterley, and thanks for tuning in to the 15th episode of Food Marketing Nerds. Over the past few years, the beef jerky category has been on fire with investments from big money players and major acquisitions. And today, we're talking with Steel Meisinger, the brand manager for one of the companies that started it all, Crave Jerky. After being acquired by Hershey in 2015, Crave has been growing like crazy, and it's allowed them to do some really amazing things in the marketing department. And you're going to get to hear about a few of those things from Steel herself. On today's episode, you're going to learn where to start when approaching a truly 360-degree marketing campaign, how to integrate native advertising into your marketing strategy, what it was like working with a little someone named Michael Phelps as an Olympic sponsor, and a whole lot more. So let's go chat with Steel. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. So I'm here today with Steel Meisinger. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So Steel, you are the brand manager at Crave Jerky. Is that correct? I am. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit more about Crave and and your role and really how you got to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. Crave is at a super interesting place right now. And so it's really excited to be a part of the company and and the brand, particularly. I was brought on after Crave was purchased by Hershey. And so now we're at this place where we have a super cool lifestyle brand with the resources and backing of a really large company that's able to to allow us to do some fun things, you know, grassroots marketing is always fun and scrappy and that's kind of the heart of this brand. But now we're able to play with some some real dollars and do some really cool things in, in large advertising campaigns. So my role as brand manager at Crave, I think it's at an interesting time because Crave was created and this brand was created, but now we have the opportunity to really redefine what the Crave brand means and take it in new directions. And so my role has really been kind of solidifying the positioning a bit and where there's opportunity with the brand, um, working with our innovation manager to, you know, come up with new and exciting innovation, keeping the brand fresh. Um, And then at the same time, really just growing our brand awareness with large uh, marketing, advertising campaigns, you know, fully integrated. And that's been super exciting. This year we launched, you know, our first ever large advertising campaign. And it was a full 360 approach, you know, with digital, social, print, out of home, and then also integrating our field marketing team and um, in-store kind of customer activations as well. So I at Crave kind of wear many hats. Um, we all work really closely together, but really just leading where our brand's going and the positioning and direction for many years to come, hopefully. Very cool. So kind of going back to what you're talking about on, on that first advertising campaign, you guys took a, a 360 degree approach. Can you describe in a little more detail what that looked like uh, on all the different channels and what you guys are trying to accomplish? Absolutely. So we were put in a pretty unique situation with the Hershey acquisition. We were also given the opportunity, um, which would never come from a small kind of you know lifestyle, cool discovery brand like Crave, but we were given the opportunity to be an Olympic sponsor. And so we totally took that and ran with it. And that 360 approach, so 
let's see, starting off, you know, there's the paid media that kind of that traditional paid media aspect of it. But instead of looking at it from a traditional standpoint, you know, we like to think, okay, it's traditional media in a non-traditional way. So we were looking at those more mass forms of advertising, reaching a large audience, such as print, out of home. And those are kind of the two avenues of the tr more traditional media that we took. And But, you know, instead of just some billboards in L.A., which we also did, but we looked at doing some big activations such as taking over the West 4th Street Station in New York. So those are things that really drive buzz and um, it's exciting and it's exciting for our sales team. And to make it more of a kind of 360 approach, you know, we had our field marketing team outside the West 4th Street uh, Station and with all their Crave gear on and they were sampling and just like interacting with consumers. So it's multiple touch points, um, you know, so kind of bringing people into the funnel with these large forms of advertising. So we did the print and out of home, but then also we did kind of the more, I guess, millennial focused. I hate saying that word, but um, it's a terrible thing. But, you know, our consumers, they like to be talked to and not at and I think that's something that everyone kind of in this industry knows so looking at ways to interact with them online and we did so through native partnerships um, digitally and looked at working with Vice and Greatest so to hit kind of two different target consumers there um, and creating some native content online you know, we were presenting sponsor with Vice on this video series, spotlighting different Olympic athletes. And then with Greatest, we had some integrated uh, content on their website, but then also supported with kind of your more traditional programmatic digital. And so that those were our native partnerships where we're really kind of, you know, it's more authentic content, engaging with our consumers. We saw great results there. And then supporting all with Again, you know, talking with their consumers, engaging with them through social, um, lots of content there. And so that was kind of the paid advertising portion. And I think to make it really a 360 is complementing it with in-store is a huge piece. That's um, a huge piece of our business. And any CPG is driving in-store sales. So that's, you know, okay, introduce them to the brand, but really what you want them to do is, is go in store. And so kind of having stopping power on shelf with displays, you know, we had standees of our athletes and shelf blades. And so just some POS in store to push that purchase all the way through. And then another aspect of kind of the 360 wheel is there's the PR portion. So what we did is we signed on two Olympic athletes. We already had one. So we signed on Michael Phelps and Carly Lloyd. And then we also had Meb Kaplaziki, who's a marathon runner. Carly Lloyd is the captain of the women's soccer team. And then Michael Phelps, um, obviously, pretty much everyone knows him. He had an amazing performance. So the whole sentiment of our campaign was Crave Better, and we thought that all of these athletes embodied that, and particularly Michael Phelps. You know, it's always never settling, always wanting more. You know, he had some hiccups in his career, but he wasn't done after that. Here he came back for his fifth Olympics, 
and totally killed it, which was amazing for us and him, but just always wanting more. And that was the whole sentiment of our whole campaign. And so using these athletes to both like, you know, using their following on social to promote our brand and product. And then also it's huge PR opportunity with Phelps. We did an event after the Olympics and we provided the media the first chance to get to speak to him after his kind of like cold after finishing events. There's a ton of rules and regulations around the USOC, the US Olympic Committee. So this, we provided all of these media outlets the first chance to get to speak to him. And it was amazing coverage for us from a PR standpoint. And we garnered, you know, a, a ton of impressions. It was just a really great event for us and to build a partnership with Michael and, and the media outlets as well. So that's kind of the th 360 approach. You know, there's a ton of stuff going on. I think you just have to hit the consumer at all these different touch points in order to be successful you, know, you can't just do one of the five things you have to do all of them and that's what really leads to a successful campaign and so it sounds like speaking from a perspective of a sales funnel you guys have all these different points of of first awareness and then the the obvious goal is to drive sales in store and potentially on the website is there are there any other tiers in that where you're either trying to capture emails or any other pushing along that sales funnel to get them to actually make a sale? Um, yeah, sorry. I, I actually remembered I left one thing out of here um, in the kind of 360 approach. We have our field marketing team, which is huge. And that's what we built our brand on. And they're out in the field every single day doing events and sampling and, and demos in store. And they're really introducing people to our products, engaging with the people that we that already know and love our product. So a big thing with jerky is, you know, so often Crave really reinvented the category of jerky. And people normally think of jerky as this, you know, hard, tough to eat, processed product, but we created this new all natural really tasty tender jerky that's totally unexpected so one of our big tactics here is to get people to try the jerky once they try it they're like oh this is amazing product we love it and so that's a huge piece of our marketing and so you know kind of when you're talking about tiers i think you know, you kind of hit them with the larger mass reaching advertising, such as the print out of home, you know, typically old school brands would think of TV, you know, television advertising that hits a huge audience. So they're kind of like, okay, I know I've seen this crave thing. And then you really what's important is to interact and engage people in the brand. And you do that through field marketing. That's, you know, like, oh, I've heard of Crave. Okay, I'm going to go actually try it here at this event. You know, whether they're running a 5K or they're at Outside Lands or a big music festival, wherever it is all over the country, we have team, we, you know, we have 15 different markets all over the country. So that's really kind of like engaging with with the consumers and another way is on social or through these more native partnerships and digital. So that's kind of the second tier. And then once they're in store, you remind them again, and, oh yeah, Crave, you know, I saw it in this print ad and then I was, and then I tasted it at this event and now here I am in store, I'm going to buy a bag. And you see, you know, the display or the, the shipper, the header card, or, you know, the point, the point of sale in store to really kind of remind them, hey, this brand Crave, we've interacted with you, um, now buy us. 
so that kind of brings them all the way through. That's the thought. That's the intention. But yeah, I think there's definitely that second level. It's kind of three forms of, of reaching them. And I can, I can only imagine the amount of planning that had to go into that. What was the time frame from when you guys started the planning to it actually launching? So we found out about this Olympic partnership probably in let's see, November, maybe it was kind of unclear what it really was, kind of official, I think kickoff in December, maybe January even, and it was super quick. So, you know, okay, we found out about this partnership for Crave, that it was an opportunity for us, quickly signed on on the athletes or sort of quickly it took us it definitely takes a few months um and in the meantime you know kind of coming up with this this plan so maybe we had all of our athletes signed on in april um we were doing kind of production of actual creative in during april and there was only so much we could do because we didn't have the athletes signed on so continuing production of the videos in may and and then really getting everything launched together in June so that it was ready to go at the end of July. In terms of planning, though, you know, it's kind of January, February, March. We we're really nailing down what the plans would be. But honestly, like a lot of it was super opportunistic. And that's the beauty of working at a small company is you're able to just jump on the opportunities and, you know, larger companies you're like, oh, okay, you have to communicate to the sales team a year to six months out. We have this whole plan all planned out a year before we actually execute it. And that's just not how it, we really work or small companies work. And so it's great to be able to make, you know, we have a smaller team. You're able to make decisions much quicker. You're able to take ownership and really just kind of run with the project, which is amazing. So if, if somebody was going into building it out a, a big 360 campaign similar to what you guys pulled off at Crave for the Olympics, what advice would you give them? It totally depends on where your brand or company is, and it depends on who you're targeting. I think know your audience. So there's kind of an air tactic and a ground tactic. So making sure to hit your consumer from both of those. Um, but definitely know your consumer and, and, and know where they shop, what they do, what they listen to, so that you're able to form this 360 approach around that consumer. And so, you know, it's always, that's the driving factor is your consumer. So we were able to think, okay, these athletes are going to be relevant to them and we should do these types of partnerships because that's, you know, that's relevant to them and that's how we talk to them. So I guess just knowing your consumer and this 360 approach is, everything around that is going to change based on on your consumer and your who you're targeting but then also i i guess just we had a really great agency partner that was able to help us and and just working cross-functionally making sure everyone's on the same page because you know you can like i said you can have one of the elements but if you don't have all of them working together seamlessly then it's not going to be as impactful so making sure you have the sales team on board and you're really leveraging that aspect making sure you have the pr portion going making sure you have your social and digital really on board and keyed in so that they can chime in and say oh well like you know that's a great idea i'm gonna leverage it this way in my space and and then you know if if your organization has a field marketing team obviously leveraging them as much as possible so i think you know leveraging all the different cross-functional 
area is super important and that's what makes us successful and you know making sure everyone's on the same page and that's what makes us successful kind of overall large 360 campaign and kind of going back to the the social reach and the native content that you guys worked with vice and and greatest with what what did that look like so vice we worked with them and you know like okay let's create this content series okay what does that look like so they came to us with this um, idea of profiling three different Olympic athletes and looking at creating like three minute videos on how they're training and preparing for the Olympics. We didn't want Crave to be, you know, it's not a performance snack at all. And that's by no means what we're looking for. But it's more about how you kind of get ready and you're always pushing yourself to be the best in training. So this video series was a perfect embodiment of our campaign. And and Vice is one of those places that millennials or our target love to consume content and creating really engaging content and connecting with them there in a really authentic way was definitely the goal. And I think we have some great results from there. It's just wrapping up, so I don't have quite everything. And then with Greatest, again, creating this engaging content is definitely the main goal and it becomes more authentic coming from a partner like vice or greatest and so it's not like okay these all these brands just giving me content i don't care because it's coming from a brand but if it's coming from a source that they trust such as vice or greatest or these athletes such as you know so many people idolize carly lloyd and michael phelps so if it's it's coming from them, you know, the slight mention of Crave or recommendation or integration of our product into the content, then it's so much more authentic and people, our consumers are going to take it to heart much more than just a brand advertising at them. Um, so that's really what the kind of need of partnerships and the social serve as. And when we have our athletes post, definitely ensuring that the, it's, you know, it's, we don't want it to feel like a paid post or a sponsor post. We want it to feel like, oh, they're using this product in their everyday life. And that's definitely the intent. And then also in our social content, like just making sure it's super authentic. So as far as native content goes versus traditional advertising or just TV ads, do you think that native advertising is or native content is is a, a lot more effective for especially for our generation, millennials? Yeah, Absolutely. But I think it's a balance. I mean, I think, yeah, it's great and engaging, but when you're a brand like Crave and you have huge mass distribution, you have to also be able to support with these large, broad-reaching forms of advertising. And so I think you definitely have to have both. And to say that those large mass forms of advertising, you know, yes, you need those, but they don't have to be your traditional TV ads. Okay, I'm going to get a TV ad on these cable networks and it's going to be for these time frames and, you know, kind of the whole formula in, in which people are used to looking at TV. But you could think more different about it and think okay well how am I really you know like TV's great it reaches a lot of people but let's integrate Crave into this sh uh, this chef show and you know we're going to have the product here and so it's a more authentic natural approach 
to TV and it's different. So it's just like thinking about it different. Our brand's different. So, you know, we also need to advertise differently. Yeah. And that, that kind of, that's a good segue to having the placement with, uh, with different chefs and having recipes. I see on your website, you guys have a, a pairing section and a recipe section. What was the thinking behind that? So it's interesting. I mean, when we came into the jerky category, it was super stale. Everyone thought of jerky as this gas station food. You know, it's not good for you. Lots of sodium, kind of boring flavors. But we really disrupted the category and and reinvented what jerky meant. You know, so totally redefining the category. Okay, now we're bringing in this better for you product has amazing flavors the texture is super tender you're not chewing on it forever so we reintroduced what jerky meant into this category and the recipes and pairings on our website really just serve as another way to rethink about what jerky means and how you can use jerky in your life so it's just one more area to be relevant in so you guys are doing all these cool things. You just can't, are coming off of a, a really successful campaign at the Olympics. So what's what's next for Crave? What's next? We are... 2017 is going to be a big year, I think. Um, in terms of dollars, we will have even more money to spend. And with that said, we have huge targets to grow. And then I think also in 2017, a big push for us is we have these two new innovation items that we're launching um, and kind of going hard with and maybe even a third, actually. So we're launching with our Crave Sticks in January. Um, Our Crave Bars are ready right now, but we'll, you know, we'll go big with them in 2017. Um, We have two new flavors that are launching and we also possibly have another piece of innovation in the works that might be ready at the end of 2017. So lots of fun, exciting innovation pieces that are launching. Um, That will be the big focus. And then also, I think, you know, we did, we had this Olympics campaign in 2016 this year that was really successful. There was a ton of learnings, but next year in 2017, we'll definitely have a huge, big media big idea campaign that we'll be launching and um, right now we're working on bringing on a new creative agency so that will be a huge opportunity definitely more resources and a new partnership and hopefully we'll have a big huge big idea in a couple months finalized so there's a few questions that i ask each of our guests first of which is there anything that you that you know now that when you first started working at Crave or even Fiji, which we didn't really get to talk about, but is there anything that you wish you would have known then that would have made your life a, a ton easier? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, you know, I'm constantly learning every single day. I think the second that you're not learning is a mistake. So, I mean, there's lessons I learn every single day. I think learning you know, the more traditional way that a CPG company works would have been, I mean, it's been huge for me to be able to learn this while at Crave and while at a scrappy company. So if, obviously, if I would have known how a big CPG company works before, before I joined the team, it would have been so much easier. But then again, I wouldn't be learning. And I think just in working in general, I'm often, you know, I have very strong opinions and I'm pretty passionate person so often I think I need to take a step back and and take into all the points of consideration and 
I'm usually quick. Like I know my decision really quickly and I'm pretty confident in that. Um, but I think just listening to what everyone has to say, all the points of input and really taking them, let it, kind of sitting with them a bit and then being able to form my opinion or my decision is, that's a huge learning that I've just learned from, you know, being a young working professional. I think it's a big one for me. And I try to think about that more often and think a bit before I make decisions or, or, you know, kind of say my opinions. Okay. Second question. Are there any productivity hacks that you use or any tools to to manage your time to make sure you get everything done? Oh boy. This is so embarrassing, but no. And I'm a huge list maker but I'm super old school and so not millennial. And maybe this is millennial, but I write everything down in a notebook. I physically write it down. I think I'm a super visual person. So the second that I write it down, I remember it so much better. And I have these millions of lists with check boxes that I write everything down that I have to do. It helps me stay organized for sure. I'm a super organized person. Um, in terms of productivity, you're probably expecting me to say, oh, I use an Asana or like some sort of online digital app or tool or something. But I'm pretty old school and I like my lists in my notebook. <laughs> it's effective. I like take my notes in my meetings. I think it allows you to be really engaged in meetings and not um, online. And you have your book and you write things down and you can listen to people and hear what they say. Yeah, there really is something just about writing something down on a piece of paper that helps you comprehend and remember it better than Absolutely. staring at a screen. I don't necessarily ever look at my notes, but I think it helps me remember them. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that note that I took that I never re- referenced again. <laughs> so are, have there been any, been any uh, really influential books that have shaped your thinking around branding? Oh. Um, or marketing or business? I've recently started reading Daring Greatly and haven't finished it so I can't speak to it totally but you know the title of it is how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live love parent and lead and I think it's a huge learning I mean you have to be vulnerable in your personal life but also in your in your work life and it allows you to take risks and the risks are the times that you're able to be really successful or unsuccessful but mostly successful. So I think this book, as I get through it, is going to be super helpful to understand, you know, how do I, you know, being vulnerable is okay. It's often thought not to be, but I think it's important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Steele. And this has been a really cool interview, getting to hear what you guys pulled off in this past few months. Um, what's, uh, where's the best place for people to go find out more about Crave and what you guys have coming up on the horizon? Absolutely. Um, CraveJerky.com. Super easy. We are currently relaunching a new website. Didn't mention that. Should be live sometime next year. Um, So take your judgments offline. But CraveJerky.com, you can find out about what we're doing. Also on Facebook and Instagram, um, backslash CraveJerky. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Steele. I hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you all again so much for listening to the podcast. And if you guys are finding any value or enjoying what you're listening to, we would really appreciate if you could go over to iTunes and give us your honest feedback in the ratings and review section. It would really help us out. So thank you all again. And we'll look forward to talking to you on the next episode. 
Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com.